Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today I'm joined by our co-hosts. I, we, have, uh, we have Zach here. You can follow him on Twitter at BrafZ. And we have George. You can follow him on Twitter at jmontanez 90 Guys, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, man. Good to be back. Yeah, definitely doing pretty good. Glad I'm back. This is episode 17, and we're going to be just answering your Twitter questions, Reddit questions. We reached out on both platforms, and we, we got some questions you guys had, and we're going to go ahead and answer them. So we'll jump, we're going to just jump right into them. The very first question we're going to discuss is, as an Eloy Jimenez owner, what do you expect from him the rest of the season, and would you stash him? Through, would you stash him through the injury? 12-team league, head-to-head points. Regardless of format, I think we're – I could definitely say with certainty that we're all on the same page as far as stashing them. But expectations might be a little different. What are your expectations going forward? I definitely think you got to stash Elo at this point. It sounds like he's probably going to be reevaluated in about two weeks. Um, high ankle sprain right now, but be reevaluated in two weeks. He's probably going to need a rehab stint. You're looking at probably a minimum of four weeks, I would say, until he returns. But once he gets back to action, I mean, the potential for a major fantasy contribution is just – you just can't – you can't waste that by getting rid of him now. So definitely hold on to him, stash him if you can. He's probably one of the top IL stashes at this point, I would say. Um, but don't don't give up on this guy just yet just because he's going to be out for a few weeks. Yeah, I agree. I agree, uh, especially in that um, – you know, in all formats, yeah, but especially in like a points league too, you know. Um, I think he's definitely a stash. I mean, and if it weren't for, you know, Vlad Jr., you know, he'd be the number one prospect. And if you think before the season, you know, that you're going to stash the number one prospect in baseball and, you know, you expect like, you know, a late May or early June uh, promotion – you kind of got to think of it that way. You know, he did get a taste of the majors and then, you know, he's going to come back from injury, uh, hopefully come back uh, stronger throughout the summer and, and uh, get better, give you some major, major contribution. Yeah. You didn't see people cutting Vlad Jr. when he didn't make the team out of spring training. So just temper expectations and just hang on to him for a couple more weeks. Now, rest of the season, do you think he'll – He, I, I would guess he – I think he might just – I think he's going to get going. I mean, I'm not too worried about him. He was one of the few rookies that struggled out the gate because apparently rookies are coming up smacking the ball this year, it feels like. But I think he ultimately gets going, and he's going to be solid. I think he'll be a top 100 guy, roughly. I think he'll justify his ADP before season's end, essentially. I'm not going to bank on too much more because in today's climate with this juice ball – what he provides isn't necessarily a huge need. So it might be hard for him to really stand out, but I think he can, at the end of the day, at least justify his draft position, maybe get, provide some profit, but I wouldn't expect like, you know, over the top production rest of the season. Yes. Yeah, I think would, would you say top 100 player? I mean, I still think that's a reasonable expectation mm-hmm. for him. I think he, he was getting drafted as that towards the end of this, you know, towards the end of draft season because he was, you know, avoiding, the uh, the first month off type of deal, he's just getting the second month off instead. So in all reality, though, like I said, um, I think he's going to end up providing that value. I think he's going to, at the very least, give you that. He, like I said, he does have a higher ceiling than that, but I think it's safe to assume he's going to provide something close to draft day uh, his draft day price. So 
Yeah, so, I think uh, I think he can give you, you know, from, you know, he has, what, three home runs right now. I think rest of season, he could probably give you what we got from Juan Soto last year, 292 average and 22 home runs. Ooh, the average is what I'm just concerned about. Yeah. But I, don't know. I, think, I think it's possible. Now, who do you see being a, uh, a better fantasy producer the rest of the season now, Vlad or Eloy? I mean, Vlad, Eloy has kind of a month of service time on Vlad, but rest of the season with the injury and everything now to Eloy, I mean, who do you think finishes higher at the end of the season? Well, if, if I knew both of them were going to play the same amount of time beginning of the season, I would have said Vlad. So I'm still going to stay. I'm definitely going to say Vlad now. I think as long as obviously health permitting and they play the same amount of time, there's a reason why Vlad was taken as high as the third round sometimes in some drafts. And Eloy, the highest I've seen him was like the eighth round, even towards the end, maybe seventh round towards the end of the draft season. But, yeah, I'm going to personally stick with – Vlad and there's not really much it wasn't really much of a choice for me or it's not really much of it it's not really tough for me to choose honestly next question pick a side in this NL only dynasty league he is selling a package of guys to a buyer and these are my two offers I guess one offer would be Acuna, Senzel and Rogers and then the other one would be Soto, Robles and Keston if I'm picking between those, I'm taking the Acuna side. I'm taking the Acuna side personally. He he says they have the same contract lengths and the prices and prices basically. So if all things being equal, do you prefer to receive Acuna, Senzel, and Rogers or Soto, Robles, and Kira? And that's Brandon Rogers, by the way. If people, I can't think of another Rogers there is in the minor leagues, but I don't want to mince yeah. names. Aaron Rogers. Yes, <laughs> that's actually what came to mind when I said that. I was like, I mean, I know it's not football, but. Um, so Acuna, Senzel, and Brandon Rogers, or Juan Soto, Robles, or Keston Hira. I, I want to take the side with the best player there, with Acuna, the Acuna side. That's what I was thinking. Honestly, at first glance, I I kind of like the other side. I mean, obviously Acuna is probably the best player here, but I think Soto and Robles are close second and thirds um i think soto is a little bit behind acuna but i don't think they're far off from each other but i think robles exceeds senzel by far in my view um i'm still concerned about senzel and his injury history and being on the field i think robles looks really good so far i like the stolen base upside i don't, I don't know the exact format of this league but I think personally, I, I think Acuna is the best player in this deal, but I think getting a package of Soto and Robles, I think I would personally prefer that, especially if this is Roto. I, I, I like that side, honestly. It's it's tough. I, I lean towards the Acuna side. Again, I, like, I always like getting the best player. We're talking Acuna literally has trout upside. That's like the – at least for fantasy purposes – and because he's a five category producer, he'll get his steals. Robles, I think, has been quietly killing it this year. I mean, he's been really, really good this year. And yeah. last year, he was like, he was going top three, top four in like, you know, as far as uh, prospect go, prospects go in dice drafts. This year, he was still top three. I think he was going third behind Eloy and like, for a lot of people. Senzel's top five, like it or not, guys, Senzel is top five for a lot of people, top seven to eight minimum usually. Rogers and Keston Hero, 
they're kind of a wash. Keston's a little higher than on than Rogers on, on in most rankings, but yeah. At the end of the day, you're getting Acuna, who's kind of done it. You know, he's doing it. Soto, who's kind of done it and is doing it. Robles, who's really showing out. It's a matter of Senzel. It's tough. I really have a hard time deciding as well, but I think I'm going to stick with the Acuna side because I think Senzel has that robust upside because he, yeah. I think Senzel can provide five categories as well. Health is a concern, but. I agree. I, I think you're going to, between Acuna and Senzel, you're probably going to get the same number of steals that Robles is going to give you. Soto and Keston aren't going to steal you many bases. And, you know, uh, Brendan Rogers, you know, you kind of forget about him. But, you know, he was a third overall pick a few years ago, and he's tearing it up this year so far. Um, so he might be, you know, uh, he, he might be coming up later this year, uh, you know, especially with Garrett Hampson not looking so good. You know, uh, he, he might not be long for a, for an option down to AAA. Yeah, but it's the Rockies. They won't do the right thing. Rodgers won't be up until next year. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly just don't see him getting a ton of playing time this year. You, Hampson's been a disappointment so far, but McMahon is probably going to get a, a good amount of time at second base. Um, they could move McMahon to no, they can't. They can move him to the outfield. Get you got Murphy it. there also. I could see Murphy. Let's say they give Reynolds some time or Desmond at first. Uh, I could see them playing Murph at second base a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I understand I, the plan. I, I just don't think the Rockies are going to do what we all expect them to do. And the logical thing would be to bring up Rodgers, but I just don't see them doing that. I think because it is a nice league, it's beyond just this year. I think long long term, this both the sides are pretty fair. I think there's just more upside on the Acuna side. And I think that I think when it when it's that close, when it's this close of an offer, I'm gonna lean towards the upside with Acuna being the best piece, with Senzel being similar enough to Robles as far as I mean, maybe not the same ceiling, but similar fours. And then Soto I mean Soto obviously he's he's Above Senzel and Robles, I don't know. I mean, Robles could overtake him. Soto doesn't provide the steals, but this is a points league. That's another thing. There wasn't really uh, – maybe I'll reach out to him. We need more info about this style. A little more info. But yeah. in, a, in a vacuum, I like the Acuna side. So it's yeah, too- I, I could definitely – yeah. I, I w- sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't blame anyone for taking the Soto, Robles, and Keston side. It seems like, you know, just the, the safest, highest floor, you know uh, – Three, you can't really can't go wrong with all three of those guys either. They're all three are really solid. I'd like to know what he's giving up to get these, you know, either of these packages. <laughs> that is true, especially in NL only. So Trout and Trout and Betts is off the table. Maybe Yelich, Yelich, Bellinger, Bellinger. I mean, and even then, I mean, well, gosh, why would you give either of them up right now? <laughs> well, if you're full, if you're full on, if you're full on rebuild, this is the perfect time to do it. And even then, it's hard for me to imagine. Acuna coming back for them because Acuna Yellow is probably the only name I can really see getting Acuna plus. Right, right now that's it'd be. I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to him and figure out a few more. You know, get, get a little more info on this just for our well-being. But like yeah. I said, I'm genuinely curious now. <laughs> we are we're getting yeah, we're getting a little long-winded on this response on this one, but it's two versus one. George uh, George and I for the Acuna side. And Zach for the high floor, safer side, and Soto. Again, not wrong, just – I, yeah, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's different so. it, Different mindsets, different train of thoughts. I, again, I can see both sides winning. And My opinion 
could change if I learn more about the situation and the different style of what kind yeah. of league it is. Well, if so for mine, league, <laughs> I would possibly change that. Um, points league, I might lean towards your side because Soto is. I think he's way more valuable in any type of OBP or points league format. I think Robles loses some value in yeah, points. And so does it, I don't know. I can't really say Cunha does. Um, Let's get yeah. some more info. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So speaking of Soto, we have another deal. Um, he has this guy has this person has two deals that he can pull the trigger on. Both of them are roto leagues with OBP as a category. So it's one deal is get Ballinger, give Hoskins and Royce Lewis. We'll just start with that one. I. Bellinger is really getting hyped up. The guy who has Bellinger is probably smart to sell him, especially if you can get Hoskins and Royce Lewis, because I think at the end of the season, other than steals, I think they're going to be very similar in production. Yeah, I think um, it depends on your your competitive window here. If I'm competing this year, I think I want to go ahead and keep Bellinger. Well, he'd be, he'd be getting Bellinger. He's the one he's giving Hoskins and Royce. He can get Bellinger. Right. Yeah, so I guess the the same. If he's competing, then I, I'm I'm making that deal. I know Royce is, you know, probably a couple more years away. Um, even you know, last this year, last year, not off to a great start in uh, in A ball. So, I mean, if I'm competing this year, I, I'm going to take Bellinger. I think yeah. it's, I think it's tough. I personally don't know if I can take it. I think the difference in Hoskins and Bellinger is pretty much only the stolen bases. If he doesn't, if he's not competing on stolen bases or doesn't really need them, what are you really gaining? A couple home runs, a couple like things that are easy to find as far as home runs go, RBIs. In today's in today's climate, I think I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Right now, as long as the ball is juiced, home runs are a lot easier to come by. So yeah, the steals might be more valuable, but I don't think there's enough difference between Hoskins and Bellinger. Rest of season. Because you have to remember, you're not getting those stats. He already produced them. You're getting rest of season stats. And I think that's what people forget when they do trades. They're like, oh, I'm getting this guy. He's done. Yeah, he's right now he's the number one fantasy player. He's going to regress a little bit. I think he's in for probably a career year at this point. Looks, he's looking great. I think he's legitimate. But I just don't know when there's – especially with OBP as a category, how, may, how much I really value what those steals that Bellinger brings if it's enough for me to add a Royce Lewis to it. That's all. The stolen bases are nice, but, I mean – Bellinger is clearly hitting at a higher level right now. I mean, he's batting 434 versus Hoskins 277. I'm not expecting Bellinger to keep that up, but I mean, I think Bellinger can finish around 300, whereas Hoskins, he's more of like your 250, 260 hitter. So I think there's a big difference with that. Um, I think they're both going to get on base at a good clip. But, yeah, I mean, Bellinger's going to steal some more bases. I think Bellinger right now – I agree with George. I think if you're in win-now win mode, Bellinger yeah. is the guy. And Which I just think – It's going to take him probably two more years to get up to the show. And, yeah, yeah he's going he's gonna to steal maybe 30, 40 bags once he gets up. But, um, I mean, you see young guys. They have trouble getting on base early on. You see guys like Buxton, Billy Hamilton. Like, it doesn't always go as planned right away. So, I mean, you're looking at possibly maybe three or four years of – good fantasy production from from Royce Royce Lewis at this point. So I would go on the Bellinger side if you're in win now mode. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just another thing I, you know, I think, you know, Bellinger, he's three years younger and I think he's just showing more growth. He's showing, he's showing the growth to really separate himself, you know, from, from someone like Hoskins, you know, in a hundred, uh, you know, so far, you know, 128 plate appearances, the guy's only striking out 11% of the time uh, and walking 14%, you know, th- those are things that, you know, stabilize by now. And so if he's showing this growth, I, I think he has that upside to, uh, really give you actually be a uh, batting average, you know, uh, plus, you know, give you an advantage there. Um, so I he think looks like a complete hitter this year, Bellinger. Exactly. You guys are, you guys are, sell, you guys are selling me a little bit. Maybe, I, maybe I do agree. Cause again, I, I was kind of, I'm really torn on this deal. I wasn't necessarily sold like, Oh, you can't do that deal. And you guys are kind of giving me reason to think to take it. So I think I'm going to jump ship and get on board and just say, I would take that deal as well. Honestly. Yeah, and if you would have asked me, if you would have asked me before the season started, before we seen you know Bellinger doing what he's doing right now, I probably would have taken that deal if if you know in a dynasty. Um, but it's just really what we've seen from Bellinger, the growth that we've seen in this first month of the season, uh, really separating himself and and growing as a player. You know, he's again only twenty three years old. Um, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and take him there. Now, the other deal he has to choose between, which I think this one's an easier one to decline, OVP is a category, Soto and Royce Lewis for for bets. He would get bets. I think bets is a great player. I think he's going to be a first-rounder for a long time. But in a dynasty format, Soto was already a first-round player in some drafts, depending on the depth of the league. And OBP, that's that's what Soto, you know, excels in. Again, Betts, he gets the steals, and he is going to remain – I think he's going to remain a top five uh, player for a few years. But this was another one I just had a hard time saying go get Betts because I think a lot of it was – I remember, he can only get one of these guys because Royce Lewis is involved in both of these. Yeah. So where do you see – I guess essentially do you see more value in him going for Betts at this price, or do you think he'd be better off getting – I think he's better off getting Bellinger if he's going to choose between the two. I think Bellinger is probably the better get as far as price um, goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me too, is what you're giving up, you know, giving up Hoskins for Bellinger and then giving up the better, the better dynasty asset in Soto um, to get bets. You think uh, Royce is in both these two though. Yeah. Like yeah I, no. know, I know that's I'm, not to say, sorry, there's not, that's not to say that Royce isn't like a major piece here, you know, number one overall pick, uh, you give me like four years from now, absolutely. Soto and Royce are going to be, you know, winning fantasy leagues for people. I think the Royce, I still, I think regardless of the Bellinger deal, if he's going to pick one, I think I'm going to lean towards the Bellinger one. I agree. If, if I'm going to choose between either one of these deals, I'm, I'm getting Bellinger. Yeah. He's the most complete player right now. If you're in win, win now mode, I think you got to go get Bellinger. All right. Next question. Is Mad Bum worth trading for in Dynasty? If so, what would be his cost? It's kind of like a three-part question, so we'll start with that part. Mad Bum, would you bother going for him in Dynasty? And if so, what do you think he's worth? Oh, man. that's um, it, it just depends, really. It depends on the context. Uh, completely yeah. depends on the context of your team. Uh, if you're competing, you know, what you need. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really it's, tough it's, to say. It's tough to say personally because I'm in a, quite a few dynasty leagues. I'm in like seven, I think, or, or something ridiculous. I've never thought once, let me see if I can go get Mad Bum for cheap. 
Maybe it's because I came into the season low on him, along with most of the industry. He hasn't really given me reason to suggest that he's not past, you know what I mean? Like that he still has he still has something in him, but I mean, if you're gonna go out and get him, I I have my problem is I think the owner that has him is still stuck on his name. You won't be able to get him for what he's you you'll have to give up almost what he's worth, like his name is worth more than what he's really worth. That's right. my concern. And uh, if I could go ahead and who would I, I honestly don't even know who I'd give up for him. That is tough. You're right. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't give up like a, like a top 50 prospect. I don't think I can give up a top 50 prospect for Bellinger. I mean, I'm sorry for Bumgarner. Um, you get up to maybe like a top 100 prospect. Would, yeah. Would you, would you give up a, a Matt Manning? That's kind of the name that just came to mind. Guy that's outside the top 50. He's, he's still inside the top 100 for some people. I honestly don't think I would. I mean, you're looking at a pitcher who's about to turn 30. He doesn't really have a future with his current team, it sounds like. Right. Um, which, is a great, which is a great pitcher's park, by the way. Yeah, and there's rumors of uh, um, – there's been rumors of Philly. There's been rumors of Brewers, other teams that are really not pitcher-friendly environments, which is reason for concern. Um, I'd be hesitant to go after him. I think a lot of people are really caught up on the name still. I don't think this is the same pitcher as um, a few years ago when he was dominating in the playoffs. Um, I mean, he's, he's just not looking great right now what do we got i mean his last the last two weeks i mean his era is around seven he's one and four so far this year i mean it's really nothing to write home about um strikeouts are under strikeout per inning i mean 8.4 right now strikeouts case per nine it's just not vintage mad bum i don't know if i would give up a top 100 prospect guy for this guy right now especially with so much up in the air in his future yeah, it's definitely tough. I'm like I said, I'm looking at names. Maybe a DL Hall, someone who's a few years away. He's kind of fringe in what top one hundred. If you're if you're if you really want to get Mad Bum, that's the problem. Again, these guys that we're naming, like I'm not comfortable giving I'd rather have a DL Hall, to be honest. What about I, like some established major leaguers? Let's well, say somebody's gonna Okay. Like a Skaggs. I was gonna I was gonna throw out some of the uh the young Marlins pitchers. Oh, Trevor Richards, Caleb Smith. Um, I'd rather have Smith. I'd rather have Smith. Trevor Richards, I, I think I maybe would take Mad Bum over him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Richards has been kind of disappointing. The change He has a really, really good changeup, but, I mean, one pitch can't, <laughs> can't uh, win you things. But, again, it's going to be hard because, look, like – we might be that low on him, but a lot of Mad Bum owners aren't going to be that low. They're not going to be willing to give him up for that price. And that's going to be the problem. You're going to have to pay more than what he's worth to get the name on your team. <laughs> Simple as that. I'd rather have Tyler Skaggs. I'd rather have Marco Gonzalez. Like, I'm thinking Marco Gonzalez. I'm like, I know he's nothing special, but Marco Gonzalez I'd rather have over Mad Bum. Like, I'm really that low on Mad Bum. So it's really hard for me to give a fair price, to be honest, because I don't know what fair is for him because I don't view him for what the name still demands. So, <laughs> I guess I guess at the end of the day, would you guys just kind of say that he's not worth going after? I guess. I guess it depends. Everybody has a price. I mean, let's just say that everybody has a price. 
but what Mad Bum is probably asking, he's probably not, he. I wouldn't. I, I I'm going to guess he's not worth. I'd be curious to hear some offers that are on the table for Mad Bum, some packages that the Mad Bum owner is looking for in return, and maybe kind of dive into that. It's uh, I would consider going after him, but it has to be at the right price. I think the Mad Bum owner is just going to be asking for way too much right now. If you say, I'm just looking at some names around, um, you know, if, if you needed pitching right now, like, would you give up uh, Tuki Toussaint? In Dynasty? I, I, think I, I think I would, but I'm not a big Tuki guy. Some people right. call me crazy for that. I'm not a huge Tuki guy. I think he ends up as a reliever, personally. Yeah, but I would give up Tuki. And I feel, I feel, but I think we're in the minority for that one because Tuki might be able to get you a better piece from a lot of people. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't want to tell some. I, in Dynasty, it's very, very scary to to say give up somebody because if we're wrong and Tuki comes out and ends up being a top 50 pitcher or top 30 pitcher in the future, then we look like idiots. But regardless, Tuki, uh, what's another name? Because Tuki, I think at least means that. How about you, George? I mean, are you? Would you sell Tuki for Medbum? I would, yeah. If I needed pitching, if I, I, I would sell Tuki right now for Mad Bum. Oh, how about Quintrall? competing. How about Quintrall? Cal Quintrall, Quintrall, however he's Quintrall, I think is it. He's coming up. He might be a spot star. Might be a few starts. Right. I, I think I probably would too, just because looking at the Padres, they have so many arms. They've got you know Luis Patino waiting. They've got Mackenzie Gore, uh, you know, coming up soon. Um, they, they just, they have a lot of arms that. To, to get into that rotation that are going to be worthy of, of pitching in that rotation. Uh, so if I needed uh, uh, pitching this year, if I was competing and uh, wanted to go after Mad Bum, yeah, I think I'd get, I'd do that. We can, I think we can move. I think we've covered it decently because then he has actually another part of the question, but third, another part to this question or second question, I should say is uh, thoughts on owning Dakota Hudson and a 12 team fairly deep dynasty cut bait or stay patient. And then I did get some feedback as far as what's available. He threw out Godley, Turnbull, uh, Jeffrey Ramirez, Martin Perez, Chris Bassett, Cal Quantrill. So I'm I, – Zach was our Dakota Hudson guy. It's not going as planned. Personally, in a 12 – especially – even I don't care how deep it is. In a 12-team league, dynasty or not, he's droppable for me. <laughs> He's I mean, definitely he's droppable in leagues at this point. Um, I, I was very high on him preseason. He had a great spring training. I know spring training stats really don't mean anything, but he did look good end of last year. He's just he's just not pitching great. I mean, his last two starts, he's he's won his last two starts, but the stats really haven't been too dominating. I think he struck out one batter in like five and two thirds innings the other day. I mean, it's really nothing too exciting. Honestly, though, those names that you threw out, none of those names are really too exciting either. I mean, Godley obviously was just demoted. The only one that really stands out to me is Quantrell. And I would probably drop Dakota Hudson right now for Quantrell, even though Quantrell hasn't even pitched yet. Um, but yeah, Hudson, it really just it hasn't worked out great. Um, so I don't think you need to hesitate about dropping him at this point. Yeah, I agree. The thing with uh, Hudson too is he—he's that he—he he hasn't done before is he's given up a lot of home runs, um, you know. And it's—it's kind of weird, you know. He still has a good ground ball rate, um, but he's got a really inflated forty percent home run to fly ball rate. 
he's giving up home runs and he's walking a lot of batters. Two he, things he, he can't really do. Yeah, and it could just be a product of you know the current environment. You mean the ball being juiced worse than ever before? <laughs> yeah. So we're on the same page of those names. I agree with the Quantrill. The uh, I I I would go Bassett even. I I like I actually went around adding Martin Perez in a bunch of leagues and it made me almost open my mouth a little bit. But I'm liking what I see surprisingly from him. Those are godly. This no, was a dynasty league though, correct? Yeah, obviously Quintrell or Quantrill. Where is the damn name is Quantrill and Bass? Uh, Quantrill's probably the youngest, probably the most exciting. I would definitely make that swap first. But then after that, I mean, pick who you like. I mean, maybe Turnball after that, and then maybe Bassett and Perez and whoever again. Yeah, I think we all agree that Quantrill is the number one priority there. But if Quantrill is no longer available by the time this viewer. Um, here's this podcast <laughs> i don't know i mean i i don't love any of those other names i would consider especially considering this is a dynasty league i would consider hanging on to dakota for maybe another few starts just see if maybe he turns it around i don't think any of those other guys are have as great long-term value as hudson or throw us a few more names that are out there because he says he can possibly stash a minor leaguer there might be some like if it's one of those types of leagues where you don't need to necessarily keep a minor leaguer, but you can, maybe somebody crazy like a Mackenzie Gore is available or Duplantier. I'd rather have Duplantier or Duplantier, yeah. whatever his name is. I'd rather take a chance on him than Dakota at this point. I made a move this morning, actually, kind of similar to this. So I dropped Dakota Hudson in a pretty deep, deep 12 team league, and I picked up Zach Gallen, the top pitching prospect for the Marlins right now, who's pitching lights out at AAA, probably one of the best pitchers in minor leagues right now. And um, he's probably the next guy in line to get a start when Miami needs a, a guy to come up. But yeah, I dropped Dakota Hudson for a top prospect type guy like Zach Gallon, just to give you an idea. Yeah. Of, of where I value him. We're going to move on from this. We, we are breaking these down a little bit because we're, we're, we are, you know, giving a full episode to answer these questions, really trying to give you some thought out answers, but we got to move it a little faster. So going forward, we're going to, again, speed up our answers and go from there. The next question was thoughts on Danny Santana going forward in five by five. That's obviously referring to Roto and how, I, I mean, quick look at Danny Santana is he said Santana, right? <laughs> Set up. Yeah, yeah Danny Santana. I was thinking Danny Jansen for some reason. I just, you know, I looked, I pulled up his, uh, ex, I pulled up his uh, baseball savant page, and the guy is like off the charts in hard hit percentage, extra, ex, expected batting average, expected slugging. He's he's in the red, which is good. He's just showing apparently a lot of this stuff's like he's just really tearing it up right now. He has two home runs, five stolen bases, hitting for a good average. His expected average is still over three hundred at three ten. Expected slugging is five twenty two. The only thing I see that's really concerning is his walk rate. It's only at 1.6, so he's not walking at all. So I'm, it's probably suggesting he's a little aggressive. I think he's somebody you just you give a you give a look to. I mean, if you're hurt, like there's a lot of injuries right now, and I know I have Santana in a couple leagues. I don't see why you don't just. It's one of those. If he doesn't work out, you cut him. I mean, everybody right now can use somebody. I feel like he's definitely. 
just somebody ride him while he's hot. And if he gets cold, drop him. Couldn't yeah. tell you. I can't tell you this is going to happen. All, this is going to be all year. But I mean, he's definitely on fire right now. And again, he's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, providing some solid batting average. Ride it, man. <laughs> I don't see him as a long term solution, honestly. But I agree. Ride, ride the hot hand, and then you can always cut bait with him. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? I mean, that time might be coming soon. I know he he didn't play today. He was out of the lineup now with Odor back. So, um, I mean, I'm sure they're still going to, you know, find him some at-bats uh, to get in there because, um, like you guys alluded to, he's off to a terrific, you know, he start there um, in the time that he got with uh, Odor out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the 345 average when he's only walking 1.6% of the time with 24% uh, strikeout rate, uh, there's there's no way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. You know, not, not a long, you know, season-long uh, option, not someone that I'm going to hold on to. Um, and it might actually be time to cut bait pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. So, if you don't own them already, it might might have you might have missed out on the hot streak. So, just keep an eye on them. Again, it can't hurt if you have if you're hurting for something. If you're hurting for upside, and, and you know, right now there's a lot of injuries, take a chance. But don't don't be attached. If he's getting infrequent work and he starts slowing down, drop him for the next big name that comes up off the waiver wire. That does it for Twitter questions. We're going to move on to Reddit. I'm pulling them up now. So the first question we got was when and how to trade away Paddock for maximum returns with the innings limit looming. Essentially, and he had another good outing tonight, did he not? Uh, he did. Yeah, he did. He actually got the quality start today in Atlanta. So um, I think he six innings, I, I want to say about five strikeouts. Uh, I think he only gave up two runs. This is the time you need to strike. He is on a for sure innings limit. I don't care what they say. And although even if there are 150 innings, I think that's like the high end. I think it's a 130 was what I've read before. If if you're if you get elite 150, that's great in Roto for sure. But I don't see that being the case, to be honest. I'm thinking I think he's obviously he's going to regress a little bit because he's still, you know, a rookie pitcher. But I think he's going to be a solid pitcher. With that said, though, you still need to capitalize on his value. It's probably not going to get much higher than this. I saw within that stream, somebody mentioned if you can get Tyone for him, would you? I think you need to aim higher. I think you need to try to go to that Thor owner and see how worried they are about Syndergaard. Seriously, why not? Why wouldn't you try that? Yeah, yeah. I was going to throw out Syndergaard as a name to go after. I think now is the time. He's coming off two solid starts, one dominant start. I agree with you, Mike. Uh, I don't see him. I see him being a very good pitcher this year. I don't see him being an elite pitcher. I think a lot of people are going to pay for that name right now. And um, was this a dynasty league this person was in? Do you know? They didn't say in Dynasty I would hold on to him. I don't see I wouldn't trade him personally unless I was getting really even like heck still give me Syndergaard in Dynasty, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm pretty sure this is redraft. I would ass, I always assume redraft unless they specify Dynasty, honestly. And like I said, someone's saying Tyone, I think that's not high enough. I think Tyone's gonna I think Tyone's gonna be solid. I think Paddock's gonna be better on a per game basis. And that comes and you're and this is coming from a Tyone guy. I think Paddock's going to be better on a per-game basis. But 
in a points league, a Tyone is actually a good get because Tyone is a compiler. You'll get close to 200 innings from Tyone. So in a points league, that's the type of deal I'd make. But in a roto league, I want a guy. I want. I want to go after like a Thor or somebody like that, if I can get him. I do think Pack's gonna be really good, but all good things come to net, come to an end, and his is at about 130 to 150 innings. So you could also yeah. reach out to a, a panicked Chris Sale owner at this point. I mean, Sale is gonna most likely get you your 200 innings. Um, he's obviously struggling right now. He's not getting the wins, but Sale's going to be the guy pitching at the end of the year where Paddock is not. One thing I'll, I want to add, uh, you know, I'm not so sure that Paddock's not going to be pitching at the end of the year. I, I know they're going to limit him, but, you know, he, I think the way they're going to limit him, he, he hasn't pitched more than – he hasn't thrown more than uh, 89 pitches. So he hasn't even hit 90 pitches in any of his starts. He's just been really efficient. So, you know, I, I think – that's probably what we're going to see if the Padres are in contention come late in the year. I just don't know how, you know, they shut him down. And I think that's what they might be preparing for right now by not letting him, uh, you know, uh, not letting his pitch count go too high. Um, you know, I, so I'm not so sure, but if you can get someone like a pitcher that was picked in the top 100, like the, you know, like Tyone, like you alluded to. Uh, yeah. I think that's definitely, definitely. Uh, I would sell Paddock for, uh, for like a top 100 player right now. Uh, but I'm just not so sure that he's going to, you know, get shut down necessarily. I'm not saying shut down, but they're already talking. The, the fact that they're bringing up Quantrill, that suggests, like you said, a six-man rotation. And if that's the case, that's already, you know, in, especially in weekly leagues or points leagues, that hurts him because now he'll, he'll never be a two-star pitcher. And then I guarantee you when they don't need a, a six-starter, there's a good chance they're going to start skipping starts here and there to – Again, secure his innings for later in the season for a push. Just one of those things that you gotta you gotta prep for. And like I said, on a per game basis, definitely gonna be solid. You just, I mean, I'm all about selling high on him because he's he's the upside's limited this season. Dynasty formats, you hold on. I would hold on to him. I wouldn't sell him for anything. A really, it would have to take a really good piece. But regardless, this year in redraft, I I would sell him. Heck, I have him in a league. I'm about I, I'm about to go to that and I'm gonna look at some people struggling in the standings, see if I can take advantage of it, maybe take one of their struggling aces off their hands or something. We it sounds like we're all on the same page here. He's gonna be good, but sell high while you can. Next question is uh thoughts on Sinzel production when he gets the call. <laughs> kind of touched on that in that first trade question. We I personally think he's a five category producer. I think two seventy batting average roughly with you know some a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed combo. Health is the real concern with him, uh, but I think ultimately you're getting a solid. I think he he will he can rest of season like once he's once he's up. I think he can provide top 100 pick value. I think he's that type of guy because of this again he offers a few the few steals here and there. The, the he has a little bit of pop. I think he's just a solid producer. I think all I think he's an all formats type of guy. What, what do you guys think, though? I know you, I think I might be a little higher on Senzo than you guys. I'm not sure. I think you are a little bit higher on him than I am. Um, I agree. I think the main issue is staying on the field. That's always been my thing with Senzel. Uh He's got a lot of talent, but just needs to stay on the field, and he always seems to have those freak injuries happen to him. Um, so that's my main concern. But I, I could see – I guess five category production. I just I don't think he's going to hit for a ton of home runs. Um, I could see maybe fifteen home runs the rest of the way, 
20 stolen bases, um, 260, 270. Uh, I think he's going to have average production. I don't think it's going to be anything too substantial. Um, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm not as high on him as, as Mike is, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll be a productive contributor, but I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to take the fantasy world by storm. Like, like a Kuna or soda did last year. Moving on the next one, you guys, we've as a podcast, just, we don't know. I don't know what to do anymore with this guy. Wondering. <laughs> Next question is wondering what to make of Winker. I've had him and dropped him and I'm considering him again. His underlying stats seem to show that he's getting pretty unlucky, but he's also also hitting a lot of ground balls. Uh, I think if he's available, just add him. (laughs) I think he's a a guy you need. He's only owning 53% of Yahoo leagues. That needs to be more. I'm not even a huge Winker guy. I mean, if you look at just the last two weeks – He's, he has 10 runs, four home runs, five RBIs, batting 265. Just the last week alone, he's hitting 357 with two of those home runs. He's – I don't know if he's going to be streaky or whatnot going forward, but I don't know. I think he should – I think you should – I think you should grab him, though. If he's on your waiver wire, I would definitely grab him. He's not on any of mine, though, so. Yeah, I think it might have just been a case of you know, just a really slow start. You know, we were looking at him, you know uh, – two weeks into the season and it didn't look great. You know, the, the walks weren't there. The strikeouts were up. Now those are trending in opposite directions. You know, walk rates coming up, strike rate is going down. And then the underlying metrics, you know, the, the, uh, batted ball profile didn't look great either. You know, the very low hard hit percentage, but, uh, even that, you know, it's been getting better and better, uh, over the last few weeks, he's, he's been, uh, really turning it, turning it up and, you know, he, he has the hit tool and he has the plate discipline and now he's showing the power too. So I think he's going to continue to trend upward into what, you know, many were expecting. Um, yeah. Like, like you said, if he's out there, I, I'd pick him up. Yeah. I, I'm just looking. Yeah. A lot of those, his line drive rates up, which is great. Ground balls are a little down from last year, which is still 40%, but down from 42. Fly ball rate about the same. So He's not hitting any pop-ups, so it looks like he's hitting, he's really – when he hits the ball, he's hitting it well. Hard contact is up. He's definitely training in the right way. His walks and strikeouts are still not where you're typically like – where you typically get from him, but they're still – it's still good. 18.4% strikeout rate, 9.2% walk rate, but those are way better, way more <laughs> – way better than what they were when we first looked at him about two weeks into the season. So, obviously, he's, he's getting better. It's – good things are – good things have been happening. Better things are coming. He's a guy I would definitely make room for my roster if I, if he was available in my leagues. So that's Winker. We'll move on from the Winker talk. Let's see. Where are we at? Do you think Thames is going to overtake Aguilar with his struggles? Well, this question was asked three days ago. And, of course, since then, the last two days, Aguilar has three home runs. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the optimistic thing about Aguilar is that not only has he found his power swing a little bit, but he, they both started in lineup together tonight. So maybe because Thames is known for his hot March, April, that first month. And then usually, and then typically he falls off after that. I don't think he's going to necessarily overtake him. The problem is Thames is the strong side of the platoon and he's been getting it. He's been getting his opportunities against righties. He's been, He's been taking advantage of it. So it's hard for them to justify starting Aguilar over him. But I don't think – I think at the end of the day, 
Aguilar didn't just f- fall into 35 home runs last year. I think, and again, he's starting to find his, uh, his confidence a little bit. He's starting to get his swing back. He's put three over the fence last two games. I think better things are, going, are, are ahead for Aguilar. And I think, I mean, it might be tough to buy low now because people might be gaining some optimism on him after the last two games, but there's a chance you might still want to take advantage of it. I think at the end of the day, Aguilar gets the spot back and Thames doesn't. But, there, yes, there is concern at the moment, especially because Thames is getting the strong side of the platoon. But to say he's going to take it overtake him, eh, it's a little little premature, I would think. I agree with everything you just said, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing to really to add there. I know today they were able to get both of them in there with uh, Yelich still out with the tight back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think just the one thing that Thames will have going for him is that, you know, he, he'll be, you know, he could hit the right-handed uh, pitchers. But, yeah, really, really nothing more there. I think Aguilar, yeah, he's, he's he, heating up. He's not going to go away. It's going to be the same thing all season long platoon ride the hot hand um he's not gonna go away so maybe they should just get rid of braun uh, that's a whole other discussion though what are the odds the nats give another just over 20 phenom and Keyboom the full-time reigns on the mi spot with uh with the big sorry with the big club in 2019 i'll let you guys talk about a little more i just think my thoughts are really summed up like this i think he's either gonna it's gonna be up to him if he stays up or not period I think his performance will ultimately decide it for the Nats. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if Brian Dozier keeps hitting under 200, I'd say the odds are pretty good. And, you know, now with Zimmerman out with the – is it the plantar fasciitis again? Um, you know, he, he's out. So, you know, maybe Dozier sees some time at first base. But like you said, if, if Keyboom, uh, you know, if, if, he, if he hits well and, and he earns that time – uh, I don't think, you know, we've seen the Nationals being aggressive with their prospects. I could see him getting that full-time role. Granted, he's he's got two home runs so far. He's not lighting up the charts right now. He's batting 200 right now. But um, I think they're going to give this guy every opportunity to take, take a starting job. I mean, he's going to be playing um, pretty much every day until Trey Turner comes back. And I don't see Brian Dozier picking up production anytime soon. So I could really see Keyboom taking over that second base job and honestly not looking back. I think the I think the likelihood of him grabbing a starting job for the rest of the season is pretty good. All right. Sounds like we're all similar minded thinking on that one. That could be that can make for boring uh information, but it should help him out and give him an idea of what to expect. Because if we're all on the same page, that's good for probably good for him. Now Next question is, I'm in a 10-team head-to-head 6 by 6 category league. Uh, he needed a roster shakeup. I guess he's having a slow start. So he revamped his roster. So three trades he did. And real quick, Luke Voigt, he gives Luke Voigt, he gets Corey Seager. I think it's solid. I think it's a pretty – I think Seager is more valuable. But shortstop is so deep this year that it might not be. And Voigt's been solid. Voigt maybe a little bit in the – batting average category hurting you but everything else he's been really good rbi production home runs i'm not exactly i think course i think he wins that trade so to speak in a vacuum but again it goes back to your needs and seager's not bad he's safe i think i think the floor is better with him was this dynasty or redraft i'm gonna take it again i'm gonna take it as redraft because nobody 
no one ever puts Dynasty unless it is Dynasty usually. <laughs> so I mean, Luke Voigt, give Luke Voigt, get Corey Seager. If you want to grade it, you know, I don't know if you want to really break it down. If you want to grade it, whatever I mean, you want to do. I like the Luke Voigt side right now. I mean, he's producing right now. I mean, he's your reigning AL player of the week. Um, I like Voigt right now. I, I don't think Seager is going to have the best season. I think he's uh, struggling a little bit right now. I'm not expecting too much. I think you're paying for the name with him also. Kind of like Mad Bum we were talking about. Obviously, Seager's still a little bit younger, but he's coming off his injuries. And... Um, I'm not expecting a huge year from Seager. So I like the void side on that. I know he got Seager. Um, hopefully Seager turns it around. But I personally like the void side of that deal better right now. I think it's a higher ceiling with Voight. And I usually I typically lean towards the ceiling when it's, again, when it's a closer deal. Than, and I wasn't even a Luke Voight guy coming into the year. I wasn't a Seager guy either. But yeah. Voight, has, Voight has really significantly improved his stock. And it's mostly because he's everyday first baseman for the Yankees. You can't really – it's hard to really beat that, you know. But, I don't know, George, you have any you, – what are your thoughts? You, uh, no, I, I agree. I, I think this is, you know, you're – you know, trying to sell high and buy low here, but I think we're still hoping to get from Seager what, you know, he gave us in 2016 with that over 300 average and 26 home runs. And I just don't think we're going to get that right now. So, you know, first year coming back from, uh, you know, the, the uh, elbow injury, um, you know, so, if we, you know, like you said, we're talking about a redraft. I, I think, yeah, I think it'd go ahead and uh, I would, I like the Voight side as well, especially when later on in the season, as the Yankees start to get healthy, hopefully we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Doubtful. Probably. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I like that more and more, uh, the better that lineup gets. All right. So next trade was Barrios and Brandon Lowe. Lau, whatever his name is, Jose Barrios and Brandon Lau and get Chris sale. I think that's a solid price to pay for sale. Sale has been looking better and better every start. It's only a matter of time before he's back to being himself. I like that deal. I think I mean, you might struggle again if you're already struggling. This deal might you know you might be frustrated because Sale might be a few starts away from really getting it going again. But I think ultimately he's still going to get be Sale, and I think he's going to he's going to be the ace that we he was drafted to be. So I like this deal. I think you paid the right price. I don't think you paid too much. And again, is it this is a ten team league? So anytime you get the best player. There's usually gonna be something good on the on the waiver wire anyway. So he opened up a roster spot with it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this trade. Yeah, I agree. I'm a fan of Berrios. I'm really high on him, but I think he took the opportunity to uh, get a nice buy low in Chris Sale, who I think is gonna get back to his Chris Sale form sooner than later. So I like the move as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if, if you could sell. Barrios and uh, Lau there to get uh, Chris Sale. Yeah, Chris Sale, That definitely I would do that. All right. And here's mm-hmm. his, third, his third quick one was uh, give Shane Bieber, get Stanley Marte. I love that deal. I love Marte. I love Bieber too. But if we drafted today, Marte would still be a fringe third round, fourth round guy at the very least. Bieber wouldn't even be considered until probably like the sixth or seventh. So even looking at just that, you know, just – off the top of my head, I'm thinking that. And Bieber was a uh, was going later than that. But he's been, you know, looking really good, really solid. I still I still think getting a Marte form is a really good get. Especially if you need steals. Because again, this is a head-to-head category. So I'm guessing steals is a category, batting average is a category. And those are two things that he was on the but he was there was a reason why he was a buy low of mine on the last episode. 
because he has like an expected batting average almost 100 points higher than his batting average. And I knew, he, and he's back today. He hit a home run tonight. So I like this deal a lot. Um, I'm, I'm, I think these two deals make up for the coming up a little short in the first deal, though. So, yeah, I think we're all on the same page with all three of these deals. I think we, uh, we agree on everything here. Perfect. I like, I like Marte as well on this. We can move on then. Is okay. This guy he, again. This is a little premature because just tonight and last night alone, it's it's it goes to show you why you need to have a little patience sometimes. Because this guy wrote, I thought I drafted a power core with Framil Reyes and Jesus Aguilar. Is it time to move on from both or one of them? Who first? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, they've given you five home runs in the last two days, so. and of course, uh, we asked. You know, we put I put it out to Reddit for the questions three days ago, so. Go figure. You've been a big you've, uh, George. You've been big on Reyes, basically saying be patient because better things are coming because of his you know the underlying metrics and what whatnot suggested so. So there's yeah. That. You know, I I wasn't as optimistic about um, Aguilar. Uh, you know, uh, but yeah, def- definitely uh, Franmil. I've been uh, advising to hold on to. Just because of you know he he's been hitting the ball so hard all, all year and the plate discipline has been there, the fly ball rate has been there. So um, I thought this was just a matter of time. Like I said, I know you were higher on Fran Mill, Aguilar. I'm not necessarily higher on or high on, but right now he's getting his value going a little bit. I would definitely stay, at least hold on to him. I wouldn't trade him yet. I think he need, you won't get much for him still, even after a couple days of home runs. Let him build his value back up. See if you can get close to what it was preseason, and then maybe get from under him if you're really worried about him. But right now, they're both holds. I wouldn't drop either one of them. I wouldn't trade either one of them. And that was regardless, even before tonight, tonight and last night's, you know, the big home run binges they've gone on the last two games. So, yeah. Now, if they're if you're talking about like a shallow league, maybe like a ten team league, maybe they're not must own. Uh, especially if like someone like uh, if you pick up someone like Nate Nate Lowe, um, I, I'd probably want to start him over Aguilar rest of the season. Um, but uh, if you're talking like your standard twelve and, and and anything deeper, then yeah, you're probably holding on. I think that's that, that's just what covers those two. We can go ahead and move on to uh, how concerned are you about Michael Miles Mikolas? And it's funny because we when I when I saw this question. I laughed at the word concerned because I dropped him literally like two weeks ago <laughs> in a shallower 10, uh, 12, 12 team draft. And I, people thought, you know, people, I was a little aggressive, I guess, because I saw him get claimed for a decent amount of fab 10 or 15% of, of, out of 100, so 10 or 15 bucks. And he has since looked even worse. So jokes on them for adding him. But I, for me, he's a drop. And I'm not even thinking twice. I wasn't high on him coming into the year. I had no – that was my only share. That was because he went after pick 100 in this specific league. And I felt like, well, then there's a little bit of value there. So I went – but like I said, I dropped him since, and I haven't looked back. I was also ahead of the game. I dropped Pavetta. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just – I'm getting lucky. I'm dropping the guys that aren't doing well, I guess. Um, I have no expectations going forward for him. I personally don't have any shares of Michaelis. Um, in a sh- in a shallow league, I, I I wouldn't have any 
concerns about dropping him. But in a deeper league, especially maybe points leagues, I'd probably hang on to him, hoping that he might be able to rebound. Um, but a shallow, shallow league, I don't think I would have any problem dropping him at this point either. So the next question we have here is, can Castillo or Glasnow be the next Blake, Blake Snell? Obviously, we're not expecting Cy Young, but they were drafted mid to late and it's possible to enter the top SP tier for 2020. And this is where I get kind of torn. I think they both have that type of upside, but they're both two pitch pitchers. And Glasnow has technically a changeup. But anytime you have that limited of an arsenal, I don't like to ever say that you can be a top 10 guy. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic, but it's hard for me to envision a two-pitch starting pitcher being top 10. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Obviously, this has been a great start to the season for both of them. I would like to see them continue to do this over the next month, and maybe then I'll be a, a real believer in that. I don't know if I see Glass now and Castillo finishing as top 10 pitchers just yet. Um, I think they have all the potential to do so. I mean, Blake Snell kind of just came on the scene last year. I mean, he he had a breakout season. I I don't think it's unreasonable to expect the breakout from these two guys. Um, they both have that top pitching prospect pedigree that they came up with. Um, I could I could see. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they end up top ten, top fifteen guys. But I just still want to see them do it a little bit more one month into the season just isn't enough for me right now. Um, Maybe we can revisit this at the end of May and see how they're doing. But um, I could see them. They're obviously going to take, they're taking big strides this year, but I don't know if they're at top 10 pitcher level for next year just yet. Um, We'll, we'll see how the, the next month goes here. They're saying it did say possible, so anything is possible. But I think likelihood you'll be. I think there is a chance that you're drafting these guys as between you know after top ten, but maybe top fifteen, top eighteen guys like like next year's Tyone, next year's Clevenger. Although Clevenger was in route to being Clevenger was going to be the guy that was looking like he was about to take that jump, but I digress. I love Clevenger. Um, these guys for me. Again, because they're lacking that third pitch, I think they're going to eventually fall in, fall into some struggles because you can't just, as a starter, depend on two pitchers. So, I'm not there yet either. You're right. I'm with you, George. Yeah. You're more you're more of the pitching now, guy. If I, I mean, if I were to pick either one of these guys to, um, you know, if I had to pick either one, I think I'm a little more optimistic about Castillo. Um, you know he's he's got the higher ground ball rate so far. He's got the higher strikeout rate. Um, I just I, I just love uh, what we're seeing from Castillo and Glass now too. I mean he's really 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 gotten the uh, walks under control. Um, so the, really, if, if you drafted either one of these guys, or even both of them, if you if you happen to you know draft both of these guys, you've got to be winning your leagues right now. You you just got to be ecstatic for what you've gotten. Now, I don't know if either of them are second-round picks next year like Snell was. Um, like I said, I think maybe Castillo gets a little closer to that. But, uh, yeah, I think just, you know, like Snell, I, it is a fair question. It's a fair question, fair, fair uh, comps. But, um, yeah, I'm not re- – I think I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, to say that 
you know, either call either one of them a Cy Young winner at, at this point. Well, he even says it. They're not expecting Cy Young, but I think that type of jump. I think it'd be closer to that next tier. Like I said, I don't think you guys would really argue like a Patrick Corbin, the Tyone, that tier. You know what I'm talking about? Like twelve through fifteen through seventeen, like Strasburg, that area. Those guys would get there. They'd yeah. be closer. They'd be closer to the ten, but they wouldn't. I don't think they would make it into my top ten personally. At least not yet. Yeah, I could see but, these guys in the ten to twenty range next year but it's interesting that you said Castillo. i mean i would pick glass now as the me breakout too. between the two me too i was i was doing the same thing george you're wrong this time <laughs> <laughs> you notice how you notice how i'm always on the right side of things i'm just saying it just works out that way no but in all seriousness think about it, man you can have a team right now i'm sure there are teams out there with castillo glass now caleb smith uh i'm sure there's a couple others that you got off the waiver wire or drafted late like you can have these teams with five stud pitchers that were all drafted late or middle to late rounds or, or undrafted. It's crazy. And I'm over here like I'm still holding out hope for Syndergaard. And <laughs> <laughs> but you're always right, though. So our last question, Max Muncy, he had a career year last year out of nowhere. This year, <laughs> not so much. Thoughts? Any of you guys have thoughts on him? I think that I think the question itself kind of sums it up. Career year out of nowhere. Um, I'm always skeptical about these guys who, um, you know, uh, late twenties uh, breakouts that you know didn't one you know don't have the pedigree and two hadn't done it before. Yeah, I mean, you take a deeper dive and it's just that much more concerning. His barrel rate is still decent. You know, I mean, nothing special. It's eight point three percent. Um, his exit velocity is actually down from last year. His hard hit rate is down from last year in a year that everybody's hitting harder. His expected batting average is 230, and that's actually lower than his batting average of 247 right now. He still sports a good OBP at 345, and his walk rate is still a solid 13.3%, but his K rate is actually up to 29.5%. He's just – I'm throwing these, all these fancy numbers out there. Basically, it shows that he's just really struggling. If you look at his – um, if you're, if you're, I'm just looking at his – uh baseball savant page and all his little you know things at the top of the page that show like hard hit rate expo bug it's all in blue which is bad <laughs> means yeah. below, which means it's like below average apparently. and now that we're pointing out his his struggles he's gonna hit you know three home runs in the next few days so uh, he's not a drop for me yet. <laughs> he's not a drop for me I, I wouldn't say he's a drop but i would say he should have came in with tempered expectations i avoided him this draft season because again mostly because uh, there was a lot of people going around him, if I remember correctly, I liked more. And I don't like out of nowhere late, like you said, the late 20 breakouts. I'm not a fan of those. Aguilar was another one. I have a couple shares of him. That was more out of he, – he was falling in a few drafts, and I liked where I was getting him. But I don't know, man. Muncy, legit, legitimately concerned. I don't expect big things out of him by, by any means at this point. He's going to – he is what he is. I think. I think, like you said, the question said it all. Last year was the was the was the career year. This year he's going to be decent, solid, maybe a top fifteen first baseman, probably closer to fifteen than than ten. Because you're going to get the you're going to looks like you're going to get the power numbers out of him, and the OBPs there better in points leagues. But just not exciting. If he gets on, I mean, he might. I don't know. I got really there's not much for me to look at. I mean, I'm just looking at hard contacts down. His line drive rates, uh, his his line drive rates down. His ground ball rate is up. That's you know those are 
His infield fly ball rate is up. <laughs> There's just a lot of things going in the wrong direction from last year. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if there's really anything else to say about it. Good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying. I'm trying. You know, I'm looking at it as I'm as I'm speaking about it. I'm just, I'm trying to find something, and there's nothing. There's like no reasons for optimism. Essentially, there's like, everything. He's like, all the underlying metrics are supporting his lackluster outcome to start the year. So, yeah, if I have Max Muncy, I'm picking up Nate Lowe. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would take. See, I wouldn't. See, I don't, I don't want to say drop Max Muncy for Nate Lowe. <laughs> I, I don't want to drop Max Muncy. I would hope to drop somebody else because Muncy, I think, is still good enough to be rostered. I just think Nate Lowe has a better ceiling at this point. Absolutely. So that's it. That's all the questions. I hope I hope you found these. Uh, I hope you found this stuff helpful, guys. We again dedicated a whole episode just answering your questions, which we like to do every once in a while. Real quick, just a reminder: you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Mike Curlin at Mike underscore Curlin. You can follow George at Monson is 90 and Zach at Braff C. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Also on our uh, podcast page at Bases Loaded Pod. Please subscribe to the show, guys, and leave a rating or review. That really helps us get more noticed on our platforms. And as always, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>